everyone and welcome to this episode of Talking It Out About. I am joined today by the lovely Brooke and Claire who are a mum and daughter team. So welcome to the podcast guys. Hiya. Hiya. <laughs> so you're gonna, so this is my first time doing a podcast with two people on the other side. So we're gonna work it out as we go. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me about FND and life around it and what it's like to be um, a parent of someone with FND. I've not spoken to a parent uh, yet on here so this is a, a nice um, change for me and hopefully gives another perspective. Brilliant. Um, so let's start right at the beginning. So um, Brooke would you like to kind of give us um, a bit of detail about your story with FND? Yes, of course. So in December 2017, um, I had an onset of pins and needles, which um, sort of spread. And initially, we just thought it was something with B12 or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but it re resulted in leg and arm weakness. And I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was in hospital for about a week and made this miraculous recovery with lots of physio. Um, was able to get back driving within by the January, which was amazing. And mm. then had the story of my life, two non-fault car accidents. Um, oh, no. um, and after that, sort of, whereas the symptoms were just progressively getting better, they sort of plateaued and then worsened. And my baseline of normal, I suppose, seemed to be a lot worse. Mm. Um, and neurology handed me over to neuropsychology. And that was where I was given the diagnosis of functional neurological disorder. Oh, okay. So it was there. Um, that wasn't even a sentence. Sorry. Um, so it was those guys that gave you the diagnosis, not the neurologist. Yeah, not the neurologist, because initially it presented as Gillian Barre. And then yeah. when he sort of reviewed it, they weren't sure um, if it necessarily was. Um, mm -hmm. And particularly then my symptoms weren't sort of conforming with the normal Gillian Barre presentation because they were continuing, they were prolonged. Yeah. Um, and then they deemed it to be functional after doing a few tests like the Hoover test and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, since then, sort of my main symptoms would be fatigue. Um, I get quite bad neurological pain within the legs, mm -hmm. occasional leg weakness, arm weakness. Um, I have experienced brain fog and cognitive difficulties, but I must admit that's very rare now. Yeah. Is there anything else you can think of? I, <laughs> no, that's that's <laughs> I really good at moaning about it, but not very good at it. <laughs> Not very good at recalling it. So yeah, since that, that was January 2018. And then mm. that they have sort of committed to that diagnosis since. Yeah. I think in November 2019, I spent a three-week stay in the Rosa Burden Centre. I'm not sure yeah. if you've heard of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Southmead Hospital is their neuropsychology and they offer a three-week inpatient stay. Mm -hmm. um, and there was lots of support and structure and assessment within that. And it was yeah. sort of concluded by the psychiatrist at the end of my inpatient stay that there was no sort of mental health drive. Um, okay. So I'm in the very few sort of the anomaly category as such. Yeah. Where mine's not caused by a physical or mental trauma of what they can establish. Yeah. They think it's linked to this Guillain-Barre syndrome, which came from a, a vaccine. Right. Um, well, they're not really sure. There was a few things. I had glandular fever, a vaccine, and my wisdom teeth out. Oh, my goodness. So there's never any way of sort of accounting where it came from. But, yeah, yeah that's where we are with it now. And you feel like you're kind of, you're managing your symptoms really, like, well day to day. 
Yeah, definitely. It's a learning process. Um, <laughs> at the start it of the is. year, I had a little bit of time off work, which is the first time that that's happened since having this illness, mm. um, where it is all about for me personally, managing my stress levels, yeah. um, and ensuring that I am active when possible to keep the stress levels down yes well um and that is sort of a fine balance that I'm playing around with I'm really fortunate I've just been accepted onto the doctorate trained to be an educational psychologist oh wow Uh, so it's more important now than ever that I keep my baseline I keep my stress levels low uh, and utilize all these strategies to just help me get through it essentially that's that's really impressive to hear that you're going on to do a doctorate and and things like that like that will be so um, inspiring for the people that are listening that have it that might go, oh, I can't do any of that now because I have FND. So that's really great to hear that you're kind of you're pushing forward and you're taking those big steps. That sounds very exciting for you. It's um, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely mindset. And I think it's really difficult sometimes to be positive when you're in pain and you're having like a period or some really bad days. Mm. Um, but it's the most essential thing before um, the onset in 2017, I was a judo player at a reasonably high level. So mm. I've experienced quite a lot of frustration in the changes and the adaptations I've had to make, but equally it's always been my goal to do that. And there's been some adaptations along the way, but yeah, mm. it's exciting. That it's finally here. Well, I'm, I'm very excited for you. Um, so, Claire, in terms of um, how if we go back to the from your side, how were you feeling in all of this process, if you don't mind sharing with us? No, absolutely not. So Brooke's my only child, mm. um, and I would always describe myself as being quite a hardcore parent. Um, <laughs> she went out to have days <laughs> off school. Um, obviously, I, I was just like, no, get on with it. You know what Is I mean? It, were you one of those that was like, unless your limb's hanging off, you're still going? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, <laughs> absolutely was. And sort of, yeah, really sort of tried to drive her forward. And um, yes. I was, I can remember being at work. So she would what you've been, 19? 19, 19, yeah. 19. Um, and she, she'd said about these pins and easels. By then her diet wasn't particularly good. And I was saying, look, it's your diet, it's this, it's that. Mm-hmm. Just, it was fairly unsympathetic. And then obviously I ended up going with her to the doctor's an emergency and they sent her straight to neurology. And obviously then we got the Gillian Barrier was lumbar punctures. It was all quite traumatic. And I can remember yeah. thinking at the time, oh my goodness, what an awful parent. You didn't believe her, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. So we were sort of on that, that roller coaster. And, and although um, it was traumatic at the time, obviously within a week she was back out. It was Christmas time. And I can remember thinking, phew, thank goodness for that. Brilliant. Yeah. And we go recovery. And then obviously the things that happened subsequently, um, we're all a bit more confusing for me because Gillian Barry, you can research it. And I obviously did a lot of reading on it and you can yeah. sort of understand that. Whereas I found when the, obviously Brooke, the car accidents weren't her fault, but the, the things that followed were less easy to understand for me. Yeah. Um, and I sort of had to almost really sort of change my parenting from being sort of hardcore to being, oh my goodness, what is it this time? What is it? Do you need to go back to hospital to sort of trying to pull back to somewhere in between and somewhere more neutral? Yeah, that must have been quite a difficult adjustment and just for both of you to kind of go through that change and go from it being in like, as you say, the hardcore parent role. It was was really difficult. And the thing is, because obviously it's an invisible illness and it's not so easy to understand, um, Mm -hmm. we've had to learn along the way. And I've been cross at times, frustrated. Yeah. 
almost cross it brook and saying you can't you can't let this hold you back but obviously I can't see what she's going through so yeah we've learned a lot along the way um we know now that stress is the main aggravating factor stress and diet and mm. exercise mm. and we know um, that tablets um the tablets prescribed without giving any sort of specific ones aren't effective for me yeah um they make me like a zombie um, so that that's been a learning experience with us both as yeah. well, hasn't it? And I think the the problem is there's always going to be bumps along the way in any life, particularly yeah. in people's lives, all the the things that they're trying to deal with. And I think FND just makes it when you do go through a period of something going wrong, it makes it that much more harder to deal with because yeah. you've got FND and then your relationship ends or you don't get a job you want, and then yeah. everything is times ten. Um, yeah. And how that portrays itself and I can't say to Brooke as I probably would have done if she hadn't have had this condition pick yourself up get on with it it's all going to be I have to sort of neuter that in a way that I, I say look I know this is tough however um let's keep I, going yeah, it's definitely made me adjust my parenting style but probably for the better in all fairness it's probably made me more emphatic and I do understand more but yeah. I can never feel the symptoms that Brooke's Brooke feels so yeah, yeah it, it's it's tricky at times. Definitely, um, some learning, and when you're first in it, it is a minefield. Yeah, it almost sounds like that feeling of hopeless, like you, helplessness. You're like, this is my child, but I, I can't. As you said, like you can't feel the symptoms that Brooke was feeling. You couldn't feel the pain she was feeling, and you kind of feel like you. It sounds like you kind of almost like ah, like there's a lot happening all of a sudden. Um. Well, and then the shock of when they put it to Rosa, um, the Rosa Burden and Rosa Burden Ward, I can remember going in. I'd not really, it was a busy time and I was busy with work and Brooke said, oh, they think this might help. I'm going to go in and be a state. I'm going to stay there for three weeks. So I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit odd. That's a lot of res um, resource for the NHS to be giving you. Mm. And when I went in, nothing prepared me for when I went in and saw it. Because obviously they're looking at it a very different perspective. So it was very sterile, very analytical, almost as if sort of they're assuming there's some huge mental health condition there and yeah. you're treated like a mental health patient mm -hmm. uh, and the staff were brilliant but that was a real shock because obviously I never can thought in any way shape or form that Brooke's mental health had any contributing factor on this illness so again that was something for me to pause and think well hang on the minds are very complex the brains are complex thing we don't really know where this has come from well and I think even since my inpatient stay there's been a lot more learning about not all people with FND is driven by psychological or physical trauma so yeah. I think even since my inpatient stay there's just been massive learning um yeah. so whereas there was a combination of physiotherapy and sort of the more CBT and mindfulness approach there which was which was really good it wasn't necessarily transparent from mum and those around me the purpose of that they yes. sort of just see that I'm under a psychiatrist and um it's next to it's next to another sort of psych ward so that can be quite confusing so yeah I that goal was amazing I think from an external perspective of a parent it's really difficult to establish what they're doing and if maybe I think you sort of thought you'd miss something and maybe I was much happier with the label of Gillian Barre yeah then in my naivety than I was and even Brooke was to start off with because Gillian Barry there it is a condition it can strike anyone but functional nerve um I think it's got a, more of a stigma attached to it like yeah. conditions of that type which is completely unfair um but yeah it, it, it's it's less easy to understand and uh, to explain to people if they say oh how's your daughter doing yeah she's really well but 
And I think the hardest for me personally, the hardest thing with the shift in diagnosis was for the whole time whilst having Gillian Barry, it was very easy to be positive because they will say like, you will make a full recovery. Mm. Do ABC, you will make a full recovery. And that's like, brilliant. Okay, let's do those things. And then with FND, obviously it's still massively developing. There's lots of like research going on and you don't necessarily, it can be managed and you can have a baseline, which means some people can maybe function normally obviously everybody's different but there's not necessarily something you can do that will just make it go away and I think that's quite a a difficult mindset for some people to internalize yeah it is that shift isn't it like uh, I know when I on one of my many trips in and out into hospital one of the paramedics like oh it's it's Gillian Barry and my mum was with me and she was like she immediately started googling and she was like right okay and she did have that sort of sense of like this is manageable like almost you're describing her like okay right yeah this makes sense um and then when they were like hmm no it's not that you haven't got the symptoms there was that feeling of like well what then like what definitely what could it be like you haven't given me an alternative you just said it's not this thing that I think my mum had kind of hung her hat on a little bit and gone right this is what we're going with and then they were like no and she was like okay where do I go now? And then it's the why, because with Gillian Barry, they sort of give you some clues as to what might have, like I said, broken out of wisdom teeth out. There was a couple of things that they say, yes, this could have been the catalyst. But yeah. with FND, that you're that you're looking at why then? Why has this happened? Yes. Yeah. I think traumatic, traumatic happened, is overwhelmed her brain at some point, that I weren't aware of as a parent. There's yeah. lots of questions and not as many answers with FND. And that for a control freak like me with an only child, that was difficult. <laughs> I think it's hard for anyone though because you're like well why and if your yours was if yours was not stemmed from trauma in any way um you're like well what what on earth happened that caused this to suddenly appear and it's that not knowing mine was stemmed from trauma and things like that so therefore I have more of a reason for mine um whereas I can imagine for you guys not knowing is really quite frustrating well it's been Um, really yeah it's been really confusing confusing because in a way um I thought that maybe with my inpatient stay at the Rosa Burden they might sort of reflect on my childhood and there might be some underlying issue and as a psychologist within me you sort of self-analyze and you think Mm. let's depict all of this but it I think in some regards you could argue that mine stem from physical trauma in that my body reacted badly to whatever the catalyst was like mum said and Mm. then since then it's not been able to fully regulate and get back to normal yeah Um, it's just really frustrating because I'm a very sort of black and white person and it would be nice to be like right this calls this and this is where we are but there's so many unknowns which can be quite frustrating on bad days yes and I think that is the issue with FND as a whole like you just don't know there's that degree of uncertainty kind of looming around you and you're like mm, is my brain going to behave today or is it going to do something really strange um like how am I gonna I don't know if that's how you feel kind of day to day but I know that's how I feel I'm like mm, am I going to be able to function today or is it going to go horribly wrong like it's that degree of uncertainty was looming yeah um, it puts pressures when you've got things booked in the diary like events you're really looking forward to or I know that I was particularly concerned recently when I had my big interview day I'm from Bristol the interview was in Exeter so yeah. it involved me traveling me staying yeah um, and obviously there was stress involved and in fact that the actual day my body was able to get through and be brilliant but then you have to factor in the two to three days after burnout 
Yeah. And my dad always uses the analogy of spoons. And if you borrow spoons <laughs> from the days before, you then have to, you know, make them, make them all up and they're all unbalanced. So yeah, I think yeah. it's difficult because you have to plan your energy in advance dependent on events really yeah and it's always that really difficult balance because you're like oh I'm gr- I'm like I'm feeling good today right I'll take on the world and then you're like actually no I'm absolutely shattered and I don't think I can see straight and it's that really frustrating balance of trying to get it right but there doesn't seem to be a right balance to it yeah um, I, I must admit that's something I still need to work on because some days I have days where I'm like right that is it I am 24 years old I'm not accepting that I've got this I'm gonna do whatever and yeah. then that's it I'm burnt out so I am I'm much better I've been doing things like yoga and pilates mm-hmm. um, recently which is a very new approach I must admit but that's seeming to really help um calm yeah. the mind calm the body strengthen the core um yeah yeah, I found that a really effective technique whereas for me yoga actually makes me worse (laughs) so actually one of my uh, biggest relapses was as a result of me doing yoga Um, so I now can't touch because I had the same thought I was like oh it's very mindful it's very calming um yeah it does not like me Um, we do not get on so I haven't gone near it since That's sad. It's, it's really sad when you get an activity like that, isn't it? Where you think, yes, like, this is it. I've yeah. had a couple with running, like walk running. I was really trying to push that a few years yeah. ago now. And that that didn't like me at all. The impact you like, you... and anything plyometric now is not my friend. It's that whole thing that you, like, make friends with certain activities. And you're like, right, you can be my friend. But, oh, no, wait, no, you can't be my friend because you don't. we don't get on, like my body and my brain do not like you and that is me and yoga we do not see eye to eye that's right I I feel sad on your behalf (laughs) well you'll just have to do my yoga for me that's fine I don't mind (laughs) um I just wanted to go back to talking about when you went into the unit so Claire did you go in and see Brooke when she was in the unit yeah so I went in and said I was going through a really busy period at work and Brooke wasn't living at home she was with her partner and had moved out at that time so we weren't having as much content she said she was going and I was a bit like oh well if it helps brilliant and she Mm. sort of tried to forewarn me but nothing would have prepared me for the the shock of going in and in my line of work we 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 tend to we deal with people where they're having severe mental health crisis, etc. Mm. Um, so I did sort of know the hospital and I knew the the area that was the building behind. I was well acquainted with. Um, and when I went in, obviously it's a very secure entry system. You're not allowed to just leave. Mm. There was a um, glass panel in her door, which was an observation point, so people could look in at all times. Yeah. Um, they would watch you eat. Brooke said because obviously they were trying to see if there was any linkage with with. Um, food and and behaviors um and some of the people in there presented with quite severe symptoms both Mm. physically and mentally Uh, and I can remember just being quite shocked and just sort of thinking well how how's Brooke how's my daughter landed up here and I'm a very positive person and I knew anything in there if it helped long term I was happy um I was happy for her to do that and support her anyway but it was it was a shock I think it's brilliant and it's amazing that we have that facility in Bristol to be able to support people because a couple of the people that I were in there with, they went in in a wheelchair and they came out walking. Like it was the most incredible thing. The only thing I would say for anyone listening is that you are, if you are offered an inpatient stay, just make sure you do a bit of research beforehand to avoid the shock for for because what they, what they are doing is completely evidence-based. It's like positive psychology. Mm -hmm. um, 
physiotherapy, like all the most amazing things. But at first glance, without sort of understanding the why, it can be quite overwhelming. Mm. Um, and particularly even little things like mum said with the door, the doors were locked, but obviously you could go out and get a cost if you wanted to. But mm. at first glance, it was just a locked door. Yeah. Um, and they encourage you to stay there because they obviously want to isolate you to try and look at in his most raw form what the problem is and I do get that but I said I think it was because we hadn't done our research mm. you've obviously got stereotypes and prejudice when I walked in I can remember thinking oh my goodness yeah grab her and take her out sort of thing <laughs> I, I think it was a shock because it hadn't nobody had really we were very as the pair of us really quite under we hadn't researched FND much at all mm. um we well, did you were doing your master's at your time at the time when you were doing your master's and yeah had to ask for the time off and I was a bit like do you really want to do this you're midway through your master's and you still know it's fine they said I can go if it will help yeah and we weren't I was I'd been told by that point that they didn't think it was necessarily a psychological um trauma that it sort of caused it and, and presented as so when I was sort of admitted to that ward which was focusing on addressing psychological trauma I think everyone thought family and friends mum alongside with others that they maybe missed something that maybe I didn't yeah. want something or I was struggling but really I can only speak positively although it wasn't necessarily effective for me personally um, yeah. because the CBT and things weren't necessarily helpful it it really broadened my mind and this mindset that I have that I try to be really positive and move forward I think it was because I was able to meet a lot of people and who are impacted by FND completely differently, people who are yeah. in wheelchairs, people who suffer from sort of non-epileptic non seizures and, yeah. and really just sort of reset um, mm. and to see the difference that it made for them, I, I think is amazing that we, yeah, like I say, that we have that resource. Yeah, it's, it's one of the, there's so few of them as well that do that sort of thing. Um, and it's that multidisciplinary kind of approach, like I said, with physio and then you're CBT, um, and stuff like that but I can imagine that um, as as the patient going in and as the mum going in to visit you kind of look at it and go oh okay wasn't quite what I was expecting it to be um, because like you said the locked door like the window in the door kind of that sort of thing it makes you go okay this wasn't how I was expecting this process to go well, I think um, it's so extreme because she'd gone from being all right. She had some symptoms that she wasn't ill, ill, but that obviously she was still struggling slightly. But to go from a student on her master's degree to being yeah. effectively locked in in a secure unit um, yeah. was but it seemed very extreme. But it wasn't. It just wasn't. To secure, yeah, no. no it just wasn't. to clarify, it was not a locked secure unit. <laughs> But it could you be. You still had to sign in and out. Yeah, you had to sign in and out. And I think without talking about <laughs> mum's job too much, with mum's line of work, she's like she says, as experiences lot lots of secure facilities. Yeah. So I think if you consider the context of yeah. your job, yeah. it, um, yeah. I was quite shocked. Yeah, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was shocking. Is the underlying point yeah. of that? <laughs> well, experience, but shocking. Not pleasant to go through, but you took the positives from it, didn't you? Definitely. Yeah. I think it's it's always that thing, isn't it? Like, um, I know when I was um, going through the process of um, being diagnosed and stuff, when you say like, oh, it's a neurological thing, um, but there's nothing like physically wrong with my brain, people do have that stigma and they do have that prejudice immediately. And they're like, oh, like, right. And they do kind of go down that line of, wait, you're going into a unit. Like, why are you going into a unit? Is there sort of more going on there? And you're like, no, I just need to learn to kind of, managed in different ways but there is that overhanging shadow of like hmm 
are you sure? You sure you've just not gone like a little bit? You need to be placed in like a padded room sort of thing. That's that's kind of the vibe I got from people when I was going through it. Is well, that... I didn't tell anyone really. There was oh, okay. very few people around me because I thought if I'm doing a master's in psychology, how can I explain this with and and it was really sad in a way looking back that that was how I felt, but it was very difficult. It would be even now. I just talk about it as a hospital stay. Yeah, the journey. I mean, you think how much mm -hmm. how much further we've moved along now in terms of both our attitudes changing to mm -hmm. how we speak about it and how you manage it, and you just you just have to learn along the way for everyone. And involved, it is really. incredibly educational in there. Like when I was referring to spoons and managing energy levels earlier, a lot of the energy management came from my work in there, mm -hmm. uh, where sort of every half an hour of the day or code in your energy levels and and that was really helpful for me um I'm a bit of an OCD with sort of time management and organization <laughs> so th that some of the skills I've developed there are really helpful and even yeah. sort of just broadening my mind to really simple things like coloring and, and things like that um really help to just sort of normalize in a way that even as an adult it's okay to just sort of de-stress in whatever way works for you yeah yeah and I think that's the thing, isn't it? When you say like, oh, I'm going to just go off and do like some colouring, people look at you and go, okay. And like, no, it's, it's quite a, it's a mindful way. It's a way for me just to sort of slow down and conserve my energy a little bit and just check in without needing to do anything too heavy. Like I still feel like I'm occupied without feeling the pressure of like, you know, needing to run around and do lots of over the top things as I would. Um, <laughs> in terms of your energy coding, could you give... Um, could you kind of explain a bit more around that for me? So it was just really sort of making a reflective activity, I suppose, that lasted the duration of the stay, say three weeks, where you're considering different activities and what's sort of giving you energy and what's sucking away your energy. Yeah. Um, so, for example, looking at how much energy walking to Costa would sort of use and then yeah. comparing that with a night's sleep playing around with what time's best that you go to bed what time you wake yeah um comparing it with food times using it with like I was on about sort of the mindfulness activities mm -hmm. um physiotherapy that was sort of regulated and a really easy way for anyone to do that is just a, a sort of scale out of 10 sort of how tired were you or how energized if we were mm. a bit of positive psychology there and with <laughs> Wasn't it? because you're not that much of a social creature at times and they do sort of put you yeah. into social settings deliberately they take you out of your room well. and yeah and sort of you had days where you'd watch a film with popcorn with people didn't you and again it's, it's that in is that a positive thing for me that I embrace doing or is that something that really is a bit and that was actually something that I found quite exhausting because mm. it although I enjoyed it it wasn't something that I was used to yeah. uh, sort of my brain being sort of on the go and socializing for that long periods yeah um but yeah it was literally just a table and if you wanted to even simplify it so it wasn't out of 10 you can just do sort of a red um amber green coloring pencil yeah. uh, and then just look at patterns like right so I'm most tired at 1 p.m to 3 p.m maybe I can make sure every day I'm scheduling in that is a a low sort of impact activity or yeah. a rest or whatever and just looking at your routine and your body and it's a really good way to sort of 
tune in um, and just sort of accept where you are and making sure you're not overdoing it. But it's also really nice for goal setting um, mm. in some regard to write, you know, in a year's time or whenever a body permits that I would like to be able to go on a 10 minute walk or instead of a five or I'd like yeah. to only have that half an hour rest a day instead of the two hours. So it's nice to keep that forward thinking, um, particularly yeah. in a position like F&D where we're not really sure if or when the end's in sight. Yeah. Um, so yeah that's a really nice activity that, I think that's just um, there's little things you can pick up from different people and I've picked up a few little hints and tricks as I speak I've spoken to different people I just think it's helpful to share those things so that for those who maybe haven't been able to get into um, the Rose Burden Centre they can kind of go oh well that's something they do so maybe I can like apply that in my own kind of way in my own life um just due to postcode lotteries or waiting lists or whatever it might be it just gives that little hint of you could try this this might work yeah um, and it's good to know that now sort of the covid restrictions are loosening the doctors can make a referral for neuropsychology um not psychology neurophysiotherapy for you um yeah. and their space is opening so if that was something and they're they're quite willing to do that i found yeah um, whereas yeah. before maybe that wasn't necessarily the case so that yeah that's really positive but mindfulness I suppose can just be anything it will look different for everyone won't it so it's yeah. just about finding what works for you yeah completely Claire when Brooke came out did you notice a big change in her Brooke saying it wasn't she didn't feel like she took lots from it um what did you notice any changes in Brooke when she came out I think she was very glad to come out and I think <laughs> we lifted her mood in terms of being more positive and more optimistic about the future. Yeah. I think it definitely gave her some physical tools in her toolbox to to manage situations moving forward. And I think mm. it probably just made her realise actually it was all right to have this condition. Yeah. Um, and there were people that were worse off, there were people that were better off, but it was going to be something you needed to manage and you needed to own it. And I know some people get relapses and it's through no fault of their own. But from Brooke's point of view at that age, as a young woman, she wasn't particularly eating well. She wasn't particularly exercising. Yeah. Um, and I think it probably just gave her a bit of a kick up the bum to think, right, I've got this. I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in quite a good position. I'm going to yeah. manage this better moving forward. And although there's still been two steps forward, one step back at times, I definitely yeah. think that was probably a significant moment in her getting her head around that yeah and I, I think it's different as the person looking in so you as mum looking at Brooke you can see things that maybe Brooke couldn't see um and maybe that's kind of I'm, I'm sure my mum would agree with that statement like as a person looking in you're like oh well you've been able to take like those extra steps but as the person going through it you're like I still can't get to the end of the road mm. you're like ah like I still haven't done it whereas everyone else is like yeah but you took three extra steps today and it's I'm having that really good at um sort of holding you accountable if I'm trying to do too much or mm. she can see my stress levels rising because sometimes if you're sort of going on fight or flight you don't acknowledge it necessarily yeah so it's nice to have that sort of external input of someone going right just slow down like you just have the day off or whatever yeah yeah and I think that's very true like my husband will do it for me and he'll be like right you need to stop and I'm like, yeah, but I feel good. And he's like, no, no, you need to stop now. Like, because I don't register my cues that I'm kind of maybe starting to have a bit of a wobble. Um, so my family will now be like, nope, sit down. And I'm like, oh, but I was just about to do this. And like, nope, sit down. Yeah. Don't do that. You can come back to it later. Um, and I think that role of that person on the outside is so, so incredibly helpful 
just to give you that alternative perspective um, and help you kind of understand what's being put out by your body as well. Um, because mine doesn't always match what I mean inside my head. Um, yeah, so that disconnect is really hard. Yeah, it's not about patronising. It's about no. you know, like when Brooke got on this doctorate initially. It was, oh, yeah, I'll drive down each day because um, you've got to be down there for that full time until Christmas. And I just said sort of very gently from the start, that's not going to be a realistic goal. You're yeah. not going to be able to go and, and drive to extra each day from Bristol. I mean, it's somebody without um, this condition, the fatigue that attached to it might mean that they um, they could do that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, we had to say from the outset that there was going to have to be um, accommodation for the, the week and she would have to manage it that way. Yeah, I think it's just about learning to kind of um, manage it and having someone that's able to turn around and say it to you. And like you said, it's not meant in a patronising way. It's just meant as a, hey, I thought about it from a slightly different angle. Um, maybe this is something that needs to be considered just as like a penny a penny for you to think about, um, but not necessarily, it's up to you if you then choose to do something with it. Um, in terms of kind of seeing Brooke go through it, Claire, Yeah. kind of where are you now with it, like feeling wise? You, do you still kind of feel kind of a bit, I don't know what the right word is. I'm having a bit of a brain fog moment, sorry. <laughs> it still frustrates me and I wish she yeah. didn't have to have it. Yeah, it's difficult for me to differentiate between struggles that she goes through sometimes and struggles that other people, young people of her age might be going through. Yeah, Some things like not getting a job. Anybody could not get a job and be upset, but then obviously it impacts Brooke's health um, yeah. in a far more significant way. So I think I, I get concerned if she starts a new relationship. I'm a bit like, oh, is this going to be good or, or is this going to end up with obviously her going through more of a stress and possibly having a relapse? So. But I said, as you as you go along the way, you do you sort of become more practical with it. You learn more practical skills and you accept that this is Brooke's life. She, I'm incredibly proud of her. She's making an amazing success of it. Um, and I try and step back a little bit, being the control freak. But now and again, I have to step in and say, mm, I don't think that's such a good idea. She wanted to play a charity rugby match this Saturday. <laughs> She went to training a couple of times. Oh, I, I love it. I There's no contact, obviously. And I just, she it was only fun. It was against the men. They're not allowed to. And I said, Brooke, you're, you're about to start a master's, uh, sorry, a doctorate. You cannot afford to go and do that and get injured. It's not yeah. worth it. And she was disappointed. And she said, well, I'm going to go anyway. But now and again, I have to step in like that. But she is much better at managing it herself now as well. So we, <laughs> we're definitely on path to, um, to uh, well, happy ever after yeah, anyway but... <laughs> I'm at baseline at the moment and yeah um, I've got some really good strategies I've got an amazing gym membership which for me personally really helps because swimming and there's a hydropool and things like that help so I've got yeah. some strategies that work for me at the moment but equally I think you just have to be open-minded that your condition might change and different strategies might work might need tweaking so yeah yeah open mind positive mind I think anyone can do yeah, it definitely I love that you were like, yeah, I'm just going to go play a charity rugby match. Oh, no. My head and my body sometimes don't communicate. <laughs> and like before, I would have loved that to be, you know, to be fun. It's with all my sort of people, like family, friends I know. And they were yeah. like, yeah, like do it. And and then I had a realistic. And when I did training, it was literally really light, like nothing that resembled rugby at all. So <laughs> my understanding of it was slightly different. I just love that you were like, yeah, you know what? Why not? That's the kind of thing that I would do. And then my husband will look at me and go, why? I know. Why? And I'm like, because I fancied it at the time. 
I know. Yeah, so still, we're still a work in progress, and you really want to go skiing. She's not skied since she um, since she um, got FND, so she'd love to go skiing again. But you have to. Be... That's a long term goal, yeah, isn't it's it? Really... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyone listening it doesn't need to hold you back it's not going to yeah. end your life but um it is something that needs to be managed and managed by family and friends as well as the person that's actually got the condition yeah so what would be your advice then Claire for someone who um their child has just been diagnosed they're just going through that first kind of period of oh my goodness what is happening what would be your kind of advice to them at this point um take a breath um, except that it's going to affect your parenting style and the way you parented before and that's going to yeah. take some adjustment and you will swing wildly between being oh my god my child to being get over yourself there's nothing wrong with you you can't use that <laughs> excuse um, every day so you will swing wildly between the two but you're just in it together you'll pick up on the signs you'll support your child throughout uh, yeah. and give them guidance um, and there are like I said it is always going to be with this condition as far as I can see two steps forward one step back so mm. it's not always going to be if you do this and this you'll be fine and it will never happen again because you can't say that but it will not hold you back if you've got the right mindset for doing wonderful things yeah and I think that's the thing isn't it like the the as the people that have FND we go through it and we're like oh my god like my life is changing like I don't know what's going on like oh my god I can't do this anymore and this has changed and like I can't drive or I can't do this but then you forget the the people around you are also going through those changes and that actually it's having an impact on them as well you may not forget it but it's maybe not in the forefront of your mind of like whilst I'm going through this well my mum is also going through it yeah definitely it's sort of transferred isn't it trans yeah. not necessarily grief but transfer struggle I suppose and yeah. it's definitely if someone their child was just diagnosed I think Twitter is a great community um to help to help understand it and to create some sort of um normalization to some regard I think still in neurology they're quite hesitant or there's not necessarily the most in-depth explanation of what it is so it's important mm. to reach out to other professionals uh, not professionals people who are who are going through it and have lived yeah. it or are living it and different yeah. parents can have like on the last point different parents can have different views so I'm divorced from Brooke's dad and we've obviously we haven't got the best relationship anyway or communication mm. style but the two of us don't necessarily view it in the same way um, so I think even a happily married couple, you might have one parent take one stance and one parent feel very differently. So if we're noting that that's absolutely fine as well. Yeah, everyone's going to do it. It's a lot for sort of everyone around you to go through and process. So everyone um, is going to sort of internalise that and manage it differently. And they're going to have their own strategies and ways which they think help you. Yeah, completely. And I think you get that anyway even from like work colleagues and things, things like that as you go back out and you start kind of going back in, that sounds really weird, doesn't it? Going back out into the world, you're already in the world. You know what I mean? Um, like people are like, oh, well, what if you try this? And everyone is like trying to put ideas in, um, giving you different tools that you could try. And it may be that they've never come across someone with FND, but you kind of reach that point where like, well, I can try it. Like there's no harm in giving it a go. I might look ridiculous because I'm doing something very strange. Like I'm trying to run with a beanbag on my head while singing a Disney song. Like that might look very odd. Um, but hey, it might be worth a go. It might just kind of help tick my brain back into kind of functioning a bit more. Yeah, as it definitely. Should. And I think as well from someone who was newly 
for someone who is newly diagnosed to just accept that every with this condition is such a broad scope that everyone's uh, symptoms are going to present completely differently mm-hmm. um, and making sure that your approach to supporting it is an individualized one that you yeah. advise pretty much yourself on trial and error and flexible yeah. because things change all the time yes completely I think that's it, it definitely is one of those conditions where you do have to have that flexibility to you and kind of if it didn't work today okay I won't try it again today but I might try it in like a month's time I'll come back to it and we'll kind of um, chop and change and see if I can kind of use that tool at a later point or if it just really doesn't work like me and yoga I just know I won't try yoga (laughs) (laughs) I'm sad on your behalf I'm just not gonna try yoga and I just don't get on and that's fine I've, I've accepted that I've dealt with that (laughs) maybe I've grieved that loss and now we can just move on um but it's just that shift isn't it it's that shift in perspective and that shift in that adaptation to the what what life was like before to kind of what life is looking like at the moment um yeah definitely and it's not it's not that it will always look like that necessarily it will change and it will grow and it will kind of alter but you kind of got to accept that bit right at the beginning um to be able to kind of move forward from that I think yeah no I completely agree it's definitely a process and a journey I see I love saying it's a journey my husband however has a pink fit every time I say it so I'm glad I've met someone else that says it's a journey that makes it's definitely a journey Um, (laughs) good days bad days um but definitely a journey yeah I completely agree I think it's just one of those things isn't it we just have to kind of keep rolling with it and that's really hard um, and you have to be quite stubborn, I think, at points to keep going. Um, but in the end, you can kind of work out your triggers and work out your symptoms and you become you learn more about yourself and how to kind of keep going forward, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely just about knowing yourself and being realistic, good days, bad days and not overdoing it. <laughs> or trying not to overdo it yeah going and playing rugby with people because you know why not <laughs> oh that yeah that and you know it's, it was really sad when I came to the self-realization that it was the most ridiculous idea um it was because I was just like yeah like it'll be fine like rugby no worries and then everyone around me was like Brooke don't be so ridiculous <laughs> um so that was sad but equally yeah you don't want to overdo it because that wouldn't have been a two three day recovery that would have been a few weeks and it's far yeah. too close to the start of my course unfortunately <laughs> but maybe it's a goal for in like a couple of years time well maybe skiing we'll go yeah. with we'll go with skiing <laughs> less physical contact <laughs> but there's definitely goals and it's definitely um a powerful tool as such setting goals on the bad days just to, and breaking them into like chunkable manageable steps yeah completely Claire I did just want to ask did you um did you talk to other parents of children um, or young adults with FND at any point no, I didn't speak to anyone at all. My <laughs> friends, obviously, I spoke to them a lot, but I, I never went. I think I reached the point, having researched quite a bit about Gillian Barry and sort of mm. some understanding of that. When I started looking at FMD, it didn't, it was so grey for me. I didn't feel I'd be able to, to get enough from the research. So yeah. I'm quite a strong character anyway. Um, and I said, I've got a brilliant, a brilliant partner, a brilliant set of friends. So I was able to sort of... Um, yeah, get my head around it best I could, support yeah. Brooke. And I said, there are, I have been frustrated at times before because I can see it's not held her back, prevented her from doing certain things that she would have loved to have done. But equally, I think her life's been enriched because she's concentrated on other things. She's very mature for a 24-year-old. And obviously where she's got um, 
academic wise now obviously is the next big part of a goal to, to become an educational psychologist so no it's um like I said it's been challenging at times and it frustrating um but I think people with a normal a normal I shouldn't say the word normal people with a 24 year old without any sort of condition neurotypical also, neurotypical thank you but <laughs> that's, that's just, what I'm just trying to make sure like we're inclusive here <laughs> somebody with a 24 year old on paper which it's got no problems at all also goes through difficulty with a 24 year old I don't think life is about just going for your first job and, and getting it and having a first relationship and getting married. Life is challenging at times, but mm. I think it's aggravated times 10 by FND, unfortunately. Yeah, it does have the habit of doing that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah definitely. It just kind of likes to stick its oar in and spin things around a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> But, well, I just want to kind of round up by asking both of you, like, your... I guess I've kind of already covered it with you, Claire, but just in case you think of anything else, kind of your your best tip for someone who's going through that difficult patch right now, like the thing that helped or kind of how to manage that change in the child. Char- oh, oh, oh my goodness, my tongue is not working today. The child parent. Oh, child. Oh, it's not happening. Don't worry. Don't worry. I know, what, I know what you're We've getting got it. I okay. say Go um, don't try not too hard to look for the reason why. Don't don't look at yourself. I think was it something I did. Um, my partner always says, control the controllable. So look at what you've got, where you are. Um, think there's always going to be better days ahead, and, and try and keep that positivity going and support your child the best way you can. And if it means going and getting professional help for yourself, don't be embarrassed about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and obviously, just keep talking, talking, talking. Um, yeah. I said that sort of worked for us. I said I know there'll be challenging times ahead again, um, but that's fine. Yeah, that's that's a really good kind of summary of it all. Brooke, what about you? What would you say? Um, I found sort of making sure that you are in tune with sort of how you are thinking, how you are think, sort of feeling. And I found lots of sort of writing down, not necessarily a detailed journal or diary or anything like that, but making sure you've got note of the good days and sort of try and find patterns in what's making them a good days, if anything. Um, And then on the bad days, just trying not to be too hard on yourself, making sure you still feel those with doing things that you like doing. Um, So when you go to bed that evening, it's not all been that negative. You've still watched a favorite Netflix series or whatever. Um, And connect and speak to others if possible, but equally be open to a wide range of approaches to help manage it. since having it I've tried sort of a range of things like I say from the impatience day to try and some sort of vitamins and supplements to help me uh, a more natural way and different forms of exercise where possible so really open-minded really flexible and just take every day as it comes yeah well thank you so much for coming on and talking to me it's been lovely having you both on and I feel like this is uh, quite a success I've, I've managed to do it with two people I'm quite proud of that um so thank you very much and thank you for putting up with my random brain fog at certain points that was appreciated right. thank you um, so thank you very much for listening guys um I hope that you found it helpful and stay tuned for further episodes in the future thanks for coming on Brooke and Claire bye. thank you bye, bye.